last year at the holiday, I shared with you all my story of searching and finding my birth family at the age of 50. And that I'd started doing some research and was kind of becoming what you might call obsessed with Ancestry.com. <laughs> Um, I was obsessed on one side and not the other because on my birth mother's side, it turns out, it stops pretty fast. One grandfather on her side from <clears throat> Poland, a grandmother on her side from Ukraine, and uh, my grandfather from Lithuania. And my first cousin, yeah, right, I'm a Litvak, right? So my first cousin on my mother's side who provided all this information on Ancestry.com, uh, knew that that's where it stopped, and he managed to trace the Lithuanians to 250 years on a family farm. And that's really what I knew. And there isn't really a way to get a whole lot more about that side of the family. So I turned my attention, and the obsession with Ancestry was about my father's side of the family, my birth father's side of the family. I was able to go back, in most cases, 10 generations, 1500s. 1400s, and finally came to the origin of my, uh, the name on my birth certificate, Kashal. And the origin of that is from the name Kusalt. And it turns out there's a whole bunch of descendants from this line, Kusalt, and that one of them had published a book of all of these people who descended from this line. I was, as you can imagine, overjoyed, terribly excited, and I went on Amazon and found the book. We live in an incredible time. Uh, and so I found the book, The Cossart Chronicles of Family History Narrative. And you can imagine how many people, if you're going back 10 generations and all of these lines, how many people that was to keep organized in index cards all over the TV room, index cards. And I figured, you know, like, I'll just, I'll just find the ones who are most interesting, and then when I find really interesting ones later, after I've gone back as far as I can, I'll dig deep into the ones that feel really interesting to me. Maybe I'll write a, a novel, a historical novel about my family. At this same time, I was submitting my DNA for testing and had found a comment on Ancestry.com by, and we're working on my father's side now, by an uncle on that side, and I took the very scary step of reaching out to him to say, I don't know if you know this, but I'm your brother's biological daughter. He never knew I existed. I wasn't surprised. They were getting divorced, my parents, when I was given up for adoption. So he said he didn't know about me, but I saw his profile and I saw his DNA results. And I said, well, mine will be coming back soon. And so I was waiting, 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 waiting to open up the computer. And finally, the day comes. I keep telling you where they're at in the testing process. And finally, finally, my results were in. And I knew I'd find all these cousins from this line. I was so excited. And I look and I don't see any names that I recognize. They match you with cousins. And my cousin from my mother's side, I found we were a match. And I'm looking for the name of my uncle. And it's not there. And all of these people are from France, England, Normandy, those kinds of places. And then I look at my actual pie chart for my DNA results. 50% Eastern European. Poland, Lithuania, Ukraine, not a surprise. The other 40%? Irish. (laughs) 
Now, if, <laughs> if you're not obsessed with Ancestry.com, you wouldn't. Yeah, I have a wave from back there. Excellent. Maybe you're a cousin. We'll see. Um, <laughs> If you're not obsessed with this stuff, what you wouldn't know is that Irish DNA is very specific because it's an island and there's a lot of endogamy, a lot of in marriage. It's very specific. The fact that I was 40% Irish <laughs> meant that my birth father could not possibly be my birth father. <laughs> so now I was just like everybody else in the neighborhood of Philly where I had visited to meet my biological sister. None of us knew who our fathers were. <laughs> All of a sudden, I was regular. <laughs> so I was, it was mixed emotions, obviously, and I anticipated being devastated by this, that I, that I wasn't now part of this big family, this big ancestry that I had found and was so earnestly looking into. But I wasn't devastated. And that's because this is my family history. That's because I realized all along, this has been my genealogy. These are my ancestors. You are my cousins. We are members of the Jewish people. That has always been a strong identity for me, being a descendant of Abraham and Sarah. Maybe part of the reason it's been so powerful for me is because I wasn't rooted anywhere else. I don't know. It doesn't really matter, ultimately. Because what I do know is belonging to this people has saved my life countless times. Being part of this people has defined the best of who I am called to be by this thousands-year-old tradition. And that I am deeply, deeply proud of. In our series, Engaging Israel, Dr. Rabbi Doniel Hartman said, when you join the Jewish people, as it's described in the book of Ruth, how do you join the Jewish people? How does Ruth become a member of the people Israel? She says to Naomi, your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. And where you die... I will die. When you join the Jewish people, you enter through the Jewish people. If you join this Judaism business, you join through the Jewish people. And he says this precedes anything about God. What you join is not about you and God. When you join this people, it's not about you and God and what you feel. When people join the Jewish people, they join through the past, not through this moment. You join through Abraham and Sarah, and belonging to them, you yourself go through Egypt. How one joins a tradition is how a tradition understands itself at its deepest, he says. That it's not about you and God or how you feel but that being part of this people, you have an inalienable right to belong, a sense of coming from somewhere so that wherever you go, you have a home. It's about being called and claimed and where others feel claimed by you. Converted as an infant, I joined the Jewish people through the past. 
I became the next branch on this tree, became a descendant of Abraham and Sarah. When life gets confusing, when it gets lonely, when everything shifts, when the world tilts on its axis, <laughs> axis, this is a center that holds. This center holds. It's held for 3,000 years. It claims me, as Doniel Hartman said so beautifully. And we have a mission, this people, that claims me and that claims every single one of us in this sanctuary. Through people, through peoplehood, you walk through life with a vision larger than yourself and acquire a notion of life bigger than yourself, he said. This is what it means to be part of an aspirational understanding of people. This can deeply enrich contemporary Jewish life. What, is, what does that mean? That we are claimed by this, that we claim each other, that this tradition claims that we have a mission. For me, it meant growing up in the Hebrew Academy, if somebody got in trouble, what is your temptation to say? I didn't do it. I wasn't near it. I was way over there when it happened. <laughs> and if we tried that at the Hebrew Academy, we knew what was coming back to us. What was coming back from the mouth of whatever grown-up walked in the room was going to be, Kol Yisrael Arivim Zebazeh. There's no excuse. Every member of the people Israel is bound up with one another. If you saw it happening, you should have stopped it. There was no way we could look past what was happening in the room because each of us was responsible to and for each other. And the moral and ethical charge that our tradition lays at each one of our spirit's entrance It means that everyone here tonight belongs to everyone else here tonight and to Jews all over the world. And that we are allies with peoples, other peoples all over this world who have their mission and their language to talk about that. Doniel Hartman was saying that it's become of some concern, particularly in the North American Jewish community, that Judaism is now seen as a private spiritual experience. And that we are focusing on what people in the business are now calling the Jew within. And while it's deeply important, obviously, to have a spiritual journey and a spiritual path and spiritual goals, while that is really important... The Jew within cannot be the end of the story. It cannot be just about what each of us feels or doesn't feel at a particular moment or a particular holiday or at a particular melody. That's all important and sacred. But more important is what is the mission of the Jewish people right now in this world, in our time, in our place I talk about a bag of marbles in Rosh Hashanah. This is where Rabbi Yehuda Kurtzer was talking about that bag of marbles. The Jews are dispersed all over the world. We're everywhere now. He says, that's a good thing. 
Because now we can achieve a mission much bigger than when we're small and in one place. We're everywhere. We can do this together. But we got to remember what was the bag. What kept us together? What united us? What was the guiding set of principles when we were all in the bag? This is the challenge we face as Jews in this amazing country, this amazing opportunity we've been given. This is our challenge to renew and to reconstruct the vision, the mission of the Jewish people. If we don't make it clear what that is, our young people will not stay. These young people here will not stay if we don't provide an experience of meaning for them. If we don't articulate for ourselves as adults, as a Jewish community, what it is we stand for. What are we called to? What are we claimed by? I ask that you join our leadership at KI, whether it's through KI, through Federation, through whatever medium works for you and your family. I ask that this Yom Kippur, we take time to reflect on what are the central, ethical, moral, spiritual claims of our tradition. And how can each of us model them and articulate them for our children? And how is it we can make this Jewish people proud that we are its adherents? Because it's our responsibility to provide this container, to provide this safety, this sense of belonging, this sense of something that only we can do and do together. We owe that to our children. We live in a time that's too scary for individuals. We're too cut off and isolated. And there's too much on their young shoulders. They benefit in ways that are so critically important from being claimed by this people. May we live in such a way this year that they feel proud to claim us. May we make the thousands before us proud this year. And may the work we do on this Yom Kippur reinvigorate the Jewish people, our vision and our mission. The words of Rabbi Rami Shapiro, because today we stand before the mirror of all to see ourselves as we are. We come with no gifts, no bribes, no illusions, no excuses. We stand without defense and wait to be filled. What will fill us? Remorse, certainly. So much error and needless pain and joy. Remembered moments of love and right doing. We are too complex for single-sided emotions. And we are too simple to be excused by our complexity. Let us be bold enough to see, humble enough to feel, daring enough to turn, and embrace the way of justice, mercy, and simplicity. Good job, Tiff.